welcome to Movie Go Round, a film discussion podcast that rotates between different themes every week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is, You Did This To Us. Hello, everybody. My name is Brett Stewart. Joining me, as always, for another episode of Movie Go Round, my wonderful two co-hosts, David Luzader. How are you this fine evening? I am still angry. <laughs> like, I, I have nothing but contempt for our audience in this moment. And it's overwhelming, too, that it was so yeah. heavily voted on. Yeah. This movie won by a landslide. You guys... <laughs> I said Boss Baby was cool. I advocated for it. And you gave me the, you know. (laughs) And that deafening silence is a good point to enter. Nicole Davis, how are you? Meh. Uh, I'd have have preferred (laughs) Boss Baby myself, at least then I could have listened to the silky voice of Alec Baldwin for an hour and a half rather than the nasal grinding on my nerves. TJ Miller. Yes. That's the scumbag. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. I forgot. He's, he's a terrible person. I forgot about that. Yes. Yes, he is. Oh yeah. Oh, me too. Ruining the emoji movie. Oh, it's he, like, he was it was an emoji movie. His behavior. No. Yeah, no. T.J. Miller in general is just a garbage human being. Yes. Has, yes. I mean, I'm sure he harasses women. He seems like the type, but it's none of that. <laughs> Shots fired right out of the gate at T.J. Miller. Um, yep. But joining us as well, someone who is actually a splendid person that we've always enjoyed podcasting with. He was on Hooray! Geek Cinema Society back when we did that program. Uh, that was the name of it, right? Yeah, Geek Cinema Society. We did that for two years. And now here he is for Movie Go Round. It's Bandrew Scott of the Geeks Rising Network, also the YouTube channel Podcastage. If you are a fellow podcaster, you owe it to yourself to check this stuff out. And also, Bandrew does a really great podcast called Bandrew Says that I love and listen to every week. It's kind of like a one-man show rambling type thing that is really terrific. So it's a pleasure to have you here, Bandrew. Thank you very much for having me. I got to say, I loved this movie. This was an absolute blast. It was, I actually yeah. watched it twice that I had, I had such a good time the first time. I had to watch it. I rented it a second time to this watch it. This movie's on Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. You know, is it? Wait, did I spend money on this this week? Well, yes. I spent money on this and guess what? I'm not even mad about it. That's how good it was. That's going you know straight what? to I the know Amazon you're, you're, dispute page. You're this trying episode. to be contrarian. Don't do it, man. Just lean into the, the hate. It just makes it easier. <laughs> All right. We definitely got a Darth Sidious thing going on with uh, David this episode. But we, we watched the Emoji movie. That's what you guys uh-huh. did to us. Um, but before we get into that, I do want to drop next week's pick for us. Next week is new to two. We are starting our yes. ninth cycle. Uh, and it is my opportunity to pick uh, a new to two film again, as the yep. name implies, that means that David and Nicole will not have seen this movie before. And I know they haven't because this is a, a, um, a Brett centered pick. And I have no reason to believe they would have seen this. We're going to watch a 2007 film uh, called I'm not there. And the reason I'm very interested in watching this is because I've always loved this movie uh, because it is the loosest interpretation of a Bob Dylan biopic that exists. But, I have come close to seeing this movie so many times. So Perfect. I'm you glad you said you hadn't because that really would have ruined it and I don't think I would have had one ready. Uh, <laughs> the reason, very briefly, that I picked this is because aside from the fact that I've always really enjoyed it and found it very cool, um, I was reading a ton of like best movies of the 20th century lists when I was picking my future classics recently and this was on every... Or 21st century, sorry. This was on every single one of them. I was shocked to see that like people besides me who actually have clout think that this movie is also great. So it'll be very interesting to see. And I should preface that you don't have to <laughs> you don't have to be a Bob Dylan fan to enjoy it because it's like super, super, super loose in that regard. Um, so we're going to be watching. I'm not there, but we yeah. were there this week for the emoji movie came out in 2017. Yeah. Uh, no, hidden I will inside say I was barely there the last like 15 <laughs> minutes of this movie i'm like no i have to pay attention i have to watch this 
<laughs> oh, boy. Uh, hidden inside a smartphone, the bustling city of Textopolis is home to all emojis. Each emoji only has one facial expression, except for Gene, an exuberant emoji with multiple expressions. Determined to become normal, like the other emojis, Gene enlists the help of High Five and a notorious hacker named Jailbreak. During their travels through the other apps, the three emojis fight against a great danger that could threaten their phone's very existence. The Apple Genius Bar. <laughs> the most unbelievable part of this movie is that he walks up and is like, I'm early. And they're like, I got nothing going on. I can help you right now. That's <laughs> ludicrous. That kid would be waiting another hour. Uh, so one thing I want to delve into right out of the bat, and I put this in our Slack early on, was, and this ties in with the whole Genius Bar thing. I love that the the people who made this movie didn't even pretend to know what they were talking about when it came to the technology that they were parodying. Like, Ugh. it's just like, it's just wipe the phone. Or for example, the piracy app, the piracy app is my favorite thing. Piracy app. Piracy app. <laughs> the, 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 the thing that, I mean, the thing that got me with that the most is when he deletes an app and then like moves another app into its place. Like it's oh, dramatic, David. When you delete and when you delete an app, the whole phone just rearranges automatically. And this one, apparently, that kid was yeah. I trying to think of the game twenty forty nineing his way through the <laughs> phone back on track. spoken spoken like a true iPhone user. Apparently, I, do you have an iPhone? I'm, I'm surprised that he didn't just flip the thing like upside down and shake it like an etch a sketch to try to delete whatever was on the screen. <laughs> oh, that would have been great if that, if that had worked. I would have been like, yeah. sure, the logic of this movie, that's consistent. That's about how much the writers knew about how smartphones work. But I'm kind of okay with that. Like, I'm on board with that. And I know, Bandrew, you are too, right? Yeah, I, I am 100% on board with that. It's not a technical movie. It's It's not intended to be some kind of tutorial. It's a narrative film. If they had gone into the intricacies of how phones actually work, not only would kids hate it, but adults would hate it. Well, I guess everybody hated it. I was going to so say. My- <laughs> yeah, they hated it anyway. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I love it. <laughs> so can, can, I'm, I'm, can I go ahead and just state why I love this movie? Please do. Please do. Lay your thesis out so we can like dig deep into this throughout. Possibly make so, fun of it, but also let's see it. Okay, so so I think it it's initially started. This entire idea started, I'm assuming, as a satirical project, and then it seems like maybe some Sony. Hear me out. I'll, I'll get to the point. <laughs> then some Sony executives may have gotten their hands on it and said, "Oh no, we got to change this. We got to add this. We got to have the the love. We got to have all. We got to have the really crappy version of the hero's journey, which is there. It's terrible, but it's there." But what really sold me on that was the opening monologue. And I wrote down this line. It's where Gene says his whole life, everything revolves around his phone. And as the pace of life gets faster and faster and attention spans get shorter and shorter, who has the time to type out actual words? And at that point, I just laughed out loud and I said, I get it. They're making fun of the audience right to their faces. And I bet most people aren't even going to catch that. I would think they are because as you said it's right to their faces it's pretty on the nose uh look i don't think this movie started as somebody's like i've got a great idea the emojis let's write a movie about that this was sony execs saying they're like we need branded content to sell toys but here's the thing it didn't the 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 reason this movie got created is because the director wanted to create a new generation's toy story this was his passion project he he was high when he said that (laughs) <laughs> that's the only explanation there's no way that anybody sat down and thought like this is a good idea no. well i mean key in the the concept of if you're making fun of the audience who is the audience for this movie who's the intended the audience that that's that's a good question i don't know who the intended audience is <laughs> it's like it's directed at kids obviously and then maybe they were planning on having some jabs for the parents to get 
kind of saying, hey, look how dumb the social media culture is where everything matters. All, all that matters are your fans online. That's another thing that they talked about that cracked me up. You don't need friends. You need fans. That's what really matters. I do yeah, appreciate so James sick. Corden telling us that, though. If, there's one, if there is a redeeming quality of this movie to me, it is um, f- high five James Corden. Like... Not a big T.J. Miller fan. We've established that, that maybe not a lot of the panel is. But you know what? James Corden is wholesome, and I love me some James I, Corden. I feel bad for everybody who now has this movie on their resume. <laughs> and it's not an insignificant list. Like, I'm going to read out people in this movie. There's T.J. Miller, James Corden, Anna Ferris, Maya Rudolph, Stephen Wright. Oh, what a waste of Stephen Wright. Jennifer Coolidge, yeah. Patrick Stewart, Christina Aguilera, Sofia Vergara, Sean Hayes, Rachel Ray, Rob Briggles, another name people probably recognize. <laughs> like all names, like not these aren't A-list celebrities, but these are names that a lot of Hey, 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 Sir Pat Stewart is Yeah, Patrick Stewart. I don't know. After this movie, I really got to re-examine Oh, that. come on. They backed up the money truck. For I know. Yeah, they really <laughs> must have. But it's like there's so many people now that I'm like I respect you a little bit less. No, I get, oh I, get I get I get what people make these movies. A lot of these people have kids. A lot of these people have some of them grandkids, and they want to make these movies for them to watch. And I get that, and I respect it, and I'm sorry. Well, I was watching an interview with with Patrick Stewart, and he was just overjoyed at the concept of being poo. That was so that was so purely delightful to him. <laughs> Sure, and he's at this point where he does whatever he wants. And yeah. I'm okay with that. Like, I I find this movie more endearing than I do frustrating, and that was shocking to me because I came into this preparing to completely loathe it, and I only loathed it a very small amount. <laughs> oh, so see where I'm full on, full on not loathing. <laughs> so so let me ask you if this gives the film any redemption for you. It's it has to do with T.J. Miller getting a line delivered to him that is just even more poignant, giving everything that came out after after the film. So it's it's the the line we were talking about where High Five tells him, you don't need real friends. Where is that going to get you? You need fans. And he says, let me see where this is. Uh, They give you complete and unrelenting support as long as you're on top. And he said that directly at T.J. Miller. And I found quite a bit of humor in that, that it was said to him. Then guess what happened after this came out and the Me Too movement started? He's no longer on top. But that, he that, longer that's, has that, that's the thing. T.J. Miller wasn't unseated because of the Me Too movement. He was unseated because he was horrible to work with and got fired off of Silicon Valley. No matter what he says, he was fired and they let him say he was, quote unquote, walking away. He is a mm. terrible person because he called in a bomb threat because he thought that was funny. Because Did he, he counts. Really? Yeah. Oh, no. no. Did yeah. He swat no, he, his own set? No, he was like uh, the, Nicole. What was the Nicole? What was the story? He was he was riding it on a train and decided to call in a bomb threat because, sure, that sounds like a good idea. He was drunk when he did it. Uh, it just every from every story, it's that he is. It's not. It's not a Me Too movement thing. It is T.J. Miller is a crap human being. But yes, I think, he is a garbage person. But I think to Mander's point, there, you know, he did get unseated. After this movie came out, I mean, for whatever reasons, whether it was that he did get embroiled in the Me Too movement or that he is a garbage human being, um, whatever is the case, like this is the guy that was the Deadpool sidekick and the funny guy in Silicon Valley. And he's none of those things anymore. Yeah, but I mean, I I was very disappointed that they did not. And this was a movie that could have done it, that he was not publicly excised from Deadpool 2 in some way. And it's meta enough that they could have done it and just like replaced him with another actor and reshot those scenes and just, you know, either made some snarky comment about it or have not said anything at all. So now whose decision that was, was Disney. And I want to talk about Disney. So um, <laughs> actually, I'm sorry. It wasn't Disney. Was it with Deadpool? No, that was Fox. It's it's Fox. Deadpool. I digress. Yeah. That was my segue. Um <laughs> But I want to talk about Disney in this episode because is it just me or is Sony Pictures Animation just kind of inferior to things you see come out of the Disney and DreamWorks Studios? Like it just doesn't feel 
as modern to me. Like the, the the animation style of this film was very much of like the early to middle two thousands for me. I don't well, know. I mean, what, what we just think? watched Wall-E a couple of weeks ago. Wall-E looks yeah. way better than this movie. Well, yeah, and it's Wally. ten years old. Wally <laughs> looks amazing. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking at what Sony Pictures Animation has made. I forget that they are they quote unquote made the Goosebumps movie, which is so funny to me. Uh, but I mean, kind of their biggest successes, you know, they have those cloudy with a chance of meatballs movies that people liked. I haven't seen them. Hotel Transylvania is that got a third movie. I mean, they're not the worst out there, but yeah, I would say they're definitely, I don't know if, you, if I'd call them third tier. They might be like fourth or lower, uh, but they are making a Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse film. Uh, See, these are the guys that also do like the Smurfs and they do, um, the yeah. open season movies, and it's almost like yeah. everything you see from this animation studio is just a slightly worse version of an idea that Disney had. Like it's like the ants to Bugs Life type thing I'm talking about. I don't know. I think they have the slightly worse version of DreamWorks ideas. Mm, they're, yeah, they're that's a, probably better. They're a couple tiers down from Disney. So, but I mean, <laughs> Disney's been going for you know ninety years now, and yeah doing their animation so they've kind of got it down you know sony hasn't been doing it for that long right it's not their primary focus at the same point though i don't know how much better you can make a movie look about emojis so (laughs) they might have reached the threshold pretty early on it's glossy and plastic well and and the problem too is when you make a movie like this you know when you make a movie like toy story the, the, the director's fault there was that he was like, what are the modern day toys? And Toy Stories can still come out and be like, toys. Toys are the modern day toys. Toys still work for what they're trying to do. He tried to make something that was so very of today and of the moment that in, you know, in 20 years when emojis have moved on, we're going to be like, what the crap? So this that's actually dated in five years. That's oh, exactly what I want to talk about. Five. Yeah, it's, da- it's dated now with the apps they reference. Well, that's that, that's my big question because watching this movie, it, it it pokes fun at emoticons, and you don't really use emoticons as much anymore. The emoji I has. do. I know people that do, but I'm I old. Do too. <laughs> well, I think I see less of them. <laughs> and uh, this movie pokes fun at that. Um, that actually, I thought, was one of the funnier shots of the movie. Um, but when are the emojis this? Those? Like, that's my question. Is how, how long does it take for emojis to not be in vogue that this movie is no longer relevant? Well, one thing I thought was funny, too, is they're, they're talking about, oh, the animated emoji that is Gene kind of being this crazy thing. And then you have what... Uh, before this movie came out, Apple was like the Animoji. Like, we're just going to go ahead and take the piss out of this movie before it even comes out. <laughs> you want to have a booming emoji that talks? Here you go. It exists. So I don't know if it's going to uh, be emojis are going to be as outdated as quickly as we think, because I do think that they offer actual value. And that would be that in conversation, you lose a lot of information when you can't see somebody's face. And emojis allow you to imply sarcasm or if it's a joke or any of that. So I don't think we'll I, see them go out of fad as quickly I, as we would expect. Well, I will, I will say, I, I will back you up on that, that. Science actually has shown that um, that emojis uh, aid in, in like the conveyance of emotion in text conversation. But I think... They won't necessarily go away, but they change constantly, and they like the look of them change constantly. And it, it's just like in ten years, are the emojis going to look the exact same as they do right now? Probably not. Probably not. No, that's yeah. a really good point because, for example, um, I work in email marketing, and I put a lot of emojis in subject lines and in copy. Uh, it's something we play around with. You probably use Comic Sans too, you monster. <laughs> Game. And uh, one thing I one thing I have to do when I'm searching for an emoji at work is I go on what's called Emojipedia, which is like the Wikipedia of emojis, and you can copy and paste emojis from it. And it'll always tell you like what version 
the emoji in question was introduced and like like which version of Unicode it was approved and then what devices it was approved on. Um, and you can see like slightly different versions on Messenger and Samsung and Microsoft and Apple and what have you. And my point is, is that there are times when an emoji is really hot and like we know people are using it, but I maybe don't put it in an email because I know that it still looks kind of funky on like new Android phones or something like that. And that's because this is a really quickly evolving space, right? Like Apple does put out a new set of emojis every year that essentially replaces a huge chunk of them. And yes, you have your mainstays, but even your mainstays get alterations. Um, And I do also want to mention that I think beyond conveying emotion i think the other positive thing for emojis is that they can help people communicate who maybe can't via text um i was and i'm i'm not maybe it's a disability benefit perhaps but i was actually thinking of one of my favorite podcasts um night attack and brian brushwood was on there talking about his young daughter like 3 4 years old and she was figuring out how to text him through emojis and like string together sentences to her father. And that was really rad, right? Like she doesn't know how to type words, but she can convey her emotions through emojis. So like I'm on board with the emojis. I don't know if I'm on board necessarily with this movie, but maybe. Well, so, maybe. Uh, to kind of go along with what you're talking about, I, I do want to point people in the direction after you finish this episode and our entire back catalog, uh, people should check <laughs> out episode 272 of the 99% Invincible podcast called Person in Lotus Position, um, which talks about it's it's the process of somebody trying to get an emoji made and what it takes to get that, going through the design process, the approval process, how you have to prove that this is something that people need it's very interesting. It's not just, it's not the simple thing of like, they're like, well, let's just make a new emoji. Like that's, that's what, that's your job today. Ted like people pitch these things and talk about them. And it's, it's a very fascinating uh, process. That is fascinating. So would this have been a better movie if it had been more like the Lego movie with minimal interaction with the human world. I'm going to throw this actually to our guest. I'd be curious as someone who already thinks it's a good movie. um, Was it inhibiting at all to you for them to be interacting with the real world a la Toy Story? Or do you think it was better that those spaces intermingled? So, so first off, I'm going to admit something uh, that I probably shouldn't. Haven't seen the Lego movie, Uh, but I, I, yeah, I, I prefer the Emoji Movie anyways. I'm glad I saw this first. <laughs> it deserves. <laughs> but I, I, don't, um, I don't think it was a detriment that they were interacting with the real world because, as I said, it's, it's essential to text communication. And given that the young folks, the youths, are, are becoming <laughs> more textually based, they're not interacting face-to-face as much. I think that is essential to telling the story. Now, is that story good? No. But I don't <laughs> think that the the inherent action of the emojis and the real world uh, interacting or being told simultaneously is a detriment. The story sucked for the, the <sighs> real world, but <laughs> so, I don't know if that made yeah, No, no, no. I, 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 totally get you. I, and I was trying to think so much through this movie I'm like how do we make this how could you make this a good movie I'm like well what if you had a story of like an, an ordinary emoji who had to like be different and do but i realized that i was just thinking of the lego movie <laughs> the, the good version of this movie is the lego movie that is that is what it is <laughs> go watch the lego movie people though isn't it kind of wonderful that so, so for context, for those who decided to spare themselves and just listen to the episode and not watch the movie, uh, they all live inside of one kid's phone, right? So we're under the impression that every single phone has this like living ecosystem um, within it. And I love the fact that they just keep ruining his chances with this girl, right? Like that is, is gleeful <laughs> to see the various different ways that the emojis inside of his smartphone make his life increasing it's like it's awkward enough to be 14 it is awkward enough but to make it even more awkward is cringy and i love it though i will say i want to bring up something that i believe nicole said in our slack 
which is I don't believe this is a 14 year old boy who has never sent the eggplant emoji. <laughs> right. Yes. It's sitting is- in the loser's lounge with the yeah. grandma face and the suitcase. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Today that, that, I learned there's a suitcase emoji. So <laughs> right. there's a lot of emojis, Brett. It's a lot going on. So now I actually got this, this idea from uh Hermann Freund in my life. Um, who proposed that this that it might have been better if it were done like the Lego movie where if it's its own if it's its own sort of sealed world that doesn't depend on interaction with humanity and how people actually use their phones then you're free to make it have whatever rules you want it to have and to have a piracy app and, you know, a, a jailbreak person or, you know, to, to guide you through what you're doing. But because it's, because part of, part of the movie is, you know, this vital interaction that humans are using this to communicate with each other. And it's important that they communicate in exactly the right way and that they're, they're trying to sort of ground it with, you know, people's relationships with their phones is it's, it's a huge detriment that they have things like the piracy app and the jailbreak, you know, also an app in a way, I suppose. And things like trolls being these sort of independent little packets of programming rather than the horrible human beings who use the anonymity of the internet to try to be as hurtful as possible and score mental points again i don't think they know how the internet works like i really do believe that whoever wrote this movie was just throwing shit at a wall and seeing what stuck because there's a lot going on here that i i question heavily in terms of the technology well, yeah, no, I mean, obviously the technology makes no sense. Uh, none of this movie makes any sense. But just the everything in the piracy app, do away with it. It adds nothing to the movie. No, 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 no. You know what? I'm going to fight for the piracy app right here. I The piracy <laughs> app is is one of the best parts of the movie. They They essentially enter a really shady, like, it's like a biker dive bar mixed with a 1990s punk rock concert. Yeah. What and is this fourteen-year-old kid using it for? It's the it's the bar in Deadpool. It's like where people go to find mercenaries to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Though I do love when uh, <laughs> when Gene asks, probably- "What would he want to hide from his parents?" The answer is porn. The answer is always porn. <laughs> like just throwing that out there. That's what's in that app if you go deep enough. Um, but I kind of love the piracy part i don't know Aunt bandrew as someone who likes this movie uh the piracy part does it do anything for you yeah it has jeff ross in it that's where we get introduced to jeff ross as the troll and that's the perfect role oh, yeah. for him so the I roast master it. general the roast master general doing what he does best and i absolutely loved that so yeah i, I mean th- as far as what the piracy app is for it's probably like BitTorrent. that's what he's using it for legally yeah, downloads yeah Porn, yeah. It's but okay, <laughs> but why? So this kid has viruses on his because everything because it is established that everything that is in the apps they go to except for Dropbox, which is connected to the cloud. I hate that I just said those words. Uh, <laughs> everything that is on the phone, the apps they go to, is on the phone. So he has spam and virus. He's a Trojan horse on his phone. This <laughs> yeah. kid's phone is messed up. This is what happens with a lot of porn, David. Uh, Wait I feel a like sec. that's what we're really getting so, to at the core of this movie. <laughs> the hazards so, of porn? <laughs> does, does this mean that Gene is ultimately the villain? Because he allows a Trojan horse viruses to remain on on the kid's phone when if Gene had just screwed up once and not saved the day, his phone would have been cleaned. And this kid wouldn't be getting doxxed and having screenshots of all the porn he's looking at and all the, the, the face cam being captured by Russian hackers. Yeah, but now that Gene Aguilera just game. popping up in the middle of class, uh, like repeatedly. 
Christina Aguilera, guys. No, no, I, I, I kind of like where Bander's head's at here because throughout the entire movie, I'm only thinking to myself, what happens when he gets a new phone? Like, is oh. this all over for them? Do, do they do do your set of emojis that are tied to your device magically poured over? Do you, like how do they poured over? Is no, it is see, it only iOS to iOS, or will they go over to your Android device if you switch? And this, and this movie has no logical consistencies within its own film because uh, apparently, uh, watching all of them get deleted, they can get undeleted at the last second. If if you're yeah. like. If you're deleting <laughs> stuff off your phone, you can stop it at the last second and restore everything, no problem. Yeah, so, without so pulling right. anything out of the trash, mind you. It just sort of yeah, magically it just, comes all, back. It all is back there, yep. But let's talk about Could Jeff Ross in the trash, because uh, James Corden and Jeff Ross end up in the trash together, and uh, James Corden's thrown a lifeline, literally, dragged out of the trash, and then he decides to throw it to Jeff Ross and all of the other trolls while walking off into the distance and accidentally kicks it and it falls back in so he can never climb back up. I do love that scene. I think it's a great scene when James Corden is like, like kind of chubby thumb is just like strewn across the ground and he's, you know, talking toward the light and really, I, I like that scene. There, There's charm to certain tiny parts of this movie. Is James Corden paying you money, man? Like, <laughs> No, I mean, I will give it to him. James Corden is trying. Oh, yeah. No, I would say James <laughs> Corden is far and away probably putting, the best. Yeah, he's putting in a performance. <laughs> I don't know. Stephen Wright is pretty great. Well, because Stephen Wright is fantastic. And yeah, it's just I feel so horrible that he is in the correct role in the wrong movie. Because <laughs> the idea of him playing indif- indifference personified is perfect. Well, he's never going to exceed his work in Reservoir Dogs. There's just it's not going to happen. Wasn't, was he a radio DJ in that? Yes. Yeah. But do you really? He's also cigarettes and coffee is great too. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you really think he was going into the emoji movie trying, like trying to exceed that work, like, or <laughs> no, is this I, just kind of a gimme? Like, I I think Stephen Wright is kind of at a point too where he's kind of doing what he wants to. So I think you probably saw the appeal of like this place within my, oh, you're going to pay me how much money? All right, I'll do it. Uh, I felt really bad for Jennifer Coolidge, though. Oh, yeah, that was rough. That's a, that's a Who is bad... Jennifer Coolidge playing this again? She's the, the mother oh. meh. Oh, yeah. Has to deliver everything in a blah kind of voice and nothing, you know, no matter what she says. When and, you're going up against uh, Stephen Wright, you're going to lose in that, in that game. But let's also talk about the fact that emojis reproduce. Yeah. <laughs> That's unfortunate and uncomfortable. genetically somehow. <laughs> why, why, why do they reproduce? To what? <laughs> and yeah. What do you do with all the baby emojis? This is a hard question. I I don't know if we are able to pull that string. There's nothing at the end, except maybe a noose. (laughs) (laughs) For which to hang myself. (laughs) We did see baby donuts, right? Like, they were kind of cute. The munchkins, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But so (laughs) to what end? (laughs) Where was the Duncan app product placement? That's what there I was a, know. There was a ton. I mean, a 14-year-old apparently watches Crackle. Um, actually, just apparently anybody watches Crackle, which is news I to think, me. I tried. Think, I think this movie was made in 2014, and then they sat on it. <laughs> That's the only way I can explain the fact that Candy Crush and Just Dance are so big in this movie, is that they they made this movie, and then we're like, well, we can't release this, right? <laughs> Then they like lost a bet or something, owned a low shark money, and so they had to raise two hundred million dollars somehow and they released this. I've never understood <laughs> dance apps for your phone. But I have I, I have to defend I've seen just dance used they they bring it out every year at oh now it's fan expo in Boston, but it used to be Boston Comic-Con. They set up a stage every year with Just Dance or Dance Dance, whatever. 
what have you. And people get up there and they, you know, they dance along to the, and everybody watches and applauds and it's great fun. And so I, I actually kind of have some affection for that part, even though I also loathe it simultaneously. <laughs> and, and that part is emceed by a virtual version of Christina Aguilera playing the, the dance instructor question mark. Uh, like, why is she in this movie so much? There's like three songs and she's literally in it at that point. I'm telling you, it was as a, it was because Disney got Shakira and they were like, let's get Christina Aguilera. Okay. Is I Christina see. Aguilera on Sony Records? She must be. Oh. Just dove Doing into a their deep pool. dive here. This is good podcasting. Christina. So who do we own? <laughs> I think so. That be it. When when the the CEO yes, of, of Sony Records, uh, who, who in, let's all imagine as Jabba the Hutt, needed somebody, <laughs> he pulled on the chain that had Christina Aguilera in a gold bikini and dragged her over to the to the vocal booth, and then that little guy just <laughs> was laughing. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I would have much. Oh my god, by the way, so I this is totally anecdotal, but I, I I closed our poll and then I got a text message from someone that says, "Hey, I'm really I'm trying to add a movie to your poll and I can't add the poll." I'm like, "What movie are you adding? Phantom Menace?" No. No. <laughs> no. I'd watch it over this. I'd watch Phantom Menace all the you know, no. over watching <laughs> oh this movie god. once. So, let's let's also dig into the the way the emojis are designed. Uh the poop has a bow tie. The hand has has a butt. But also, like the hand can flex, as can other like other like body parts. I'm yeah, this is confusing. Nicole put it in the docket. Yeah, the hand bends in ways that hands do not bend and cannot, and it's a little unnerving. <laughs> I'm okay with it. There's the hand that has the the six pack abs starts doing, or it's the the thumbs up starts doing yes. sit ups. Oh yeah, Got six pack. very jarring to see. Yeah, why? How? What? I don't. Uh. I, 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 I would like to think that there was somebody on design in this movie who was just trying the most insane things. Like they're they're not going to approve this. Oh no, you like that? Oh no, <laughs> you, it, right? like- you looked at it. Okay. <laughs> Do you think this movie, movie had a second draft? <laughs> oh, absolutely not. No. <laughs> or an editor. Like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think maybe they got funding from the brands and the brands had input into what the final film was because they did that. play such large aspects of the film. I mean, there was a, what, 10-minute Candy Crush scene? I can't right. imagine they- Candy Crush paying... A thousand dollars. They paid a lot of money for that. You mean the yeah. scene where they literally play Candy Crush for ten minutes? <laughs> right. That's a lot of money. So, and if it thinks you're a special candy, you'll go in the jar. Yeah, we have to line up. You have to get the three colors to match up. Oh my god. So my yeah. previous uh, argument that this was not a tutorial was incorrect because we got a tutorial on how to play Candy Crush. Right. Is right. that how Candy and, Crush I mean, works? Do, do like special things go in a different spot? I don't. I've never played Candy Crush. I don't know. No, it's been <laughs> so long since I've played. <laughs> but I mean, I think Dropbox must have given them the most money because they're like, she's like, oh no no no, you don't have to worry about Dropbox because it's secure. <laughs> I'm like everything else on this phone, Dropbox is secure. <laughs> you don't have to worry about Dropbox. Dropbox is good. Dropbox. Is best app ever. <laughs> Dropbox will take your stuff to the cloud, the mysterious <laughs> cloud. <laughs> I, I don't it. know. I just pictured Dropbox. I, I, I think more realistic would have been like one of those stretchy, super stretchy like garbage bags and you can stuff every huge thing on your phone into it. And it get you know, make it grow and pooch out in bizarre shapes in there, and then all of a sudden it just sort of collapses on itself and, bloop, and gets sort of swallowed and off into the. And that's Dropbox. Here's let's be honest here, if uh, if Dropbox had not given the money, it would have been called the Cloud App. 
the cloud. That's true. It yeah. would have been. We have to get to the cloud app. Right. Yeah. Or they'd yes. have had to ride the Twitter bird to the cloud. See, see, part of but, but, me wonders. Uh, they don't ever say Twitter. They never say Twitter or Facebook. No. Those are very clearly not in the movie. <laughs> see, part of me does wonder that that the screenwriter knew what was going on. And as David said, like, he's just seeing how, just how far can I push this, right? Like, how far will they be okay with me putting this on paper? And he got surprisingly far. Uh, <laughs> you know, it reminds me, like, I was scrolling... I always like reading headlines, um, you know, as a journalist by trade, and that's what I was, you know, in school to do. I always love reading headlines, and I always love seeing what journalists can, like, get away with in their headlines. And, like, this week, I saw a headline um, that was all all about, um, crap, what was it about? Oh, yeah, it was the uh, the Trump worried about Pecker leaking headline, um, because David Pecker is the CEO of the National Enquirer. And I just imagine, like, like some CNBC writer is sitting there being like, do I write that? Oh, I'm writing it. You know, and he just sends it off to the editor and, and, and it gets through. And that's how I imagine this movie was written is the same person was just sitting there saying like, can I really, can I put this in? And they just sent it to the editor and it got through. Um, Cause it's shocking how poorly I think this movie is written at times. I think my my biggest issue is with Anna Faris's character, honestly. Um, her but yeah, her character is terrible. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's so badly written. She Did, is very badly written. I mean, there's some there's lip service there's lip service paid to it being a feminist character mm-hmm. in that she's right. not interested in romance and foofy pink princessy things and she loves being a hacker and what have you and wants independence but it's uh, just so poorly executed the, the only joke there was me, oh sorry the, there was one line when they finished playing candy crush and they're leaving where she said where she's uh, God, um, there's a point where she's illustrating her plan and Jean jumps in and then gives the big conclusion and she comes in and says, I wanted to say it because it was my idea. You know, women are always coming up with stuff that men are taking credit for. And I don't think they could have made it any clearer. That They could have made it a little more subtle. It was just so <laughs> in your face. Yeah, it totally was. It totally was. Yeah. I, my issue with her character is like the... I mean, I have issues with like romance and children's movies and how easy it is apparently to love anybody. Um, <laughs> they'll learn that when they... Down the line that it doesn't really work that way. Um, no, I just... I have so many issues with like, she's the hacker. Like, first of all, this movie, I had to change our description of this movie. I always pull the synopsis from Google and I had to change it because they call her a code breaker in their own. What? No, she's not what? a code breaker. Their own synopsis of this movie on the back cover calls her the code breaker. Um, no. As if she is bad at Cumberbatch in the imitation game and not like someone who knows Amscript. Like <laughs> her, her character is like, we need to, we, she needs to be the tough female lead. So like, just do all the stereotype stuff. Uh, though, the only line that made me laugh in the movie is tied to her character when she does return to the emojis and reveals that she's the princess. And then off screen, someone yells, Linda? Like, Not now, mom. <laughs> the only thing in the movie that I thought was pretty good. <laughs> so the critical consensus of this, as we've discussed at great length, is very poor. Uh, in fact, on Rotten Tomatoes, the consensus is literally just like that no smoking sign emoji. Um, just the circle with the you know, the red line through it. Uh, what would have made this more bearable for critics? A good script. <laughs> <laughs> but like there, there, there's, there's some charm to it. I, I, I'd be curious. Bandrew, why do you think critics didn't like it? Because I understand where you're finding some charm in it. I didn't find this entirely unbearable. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I think it could, obviously it's, it's, I came into this defending it, even though I didn't enjoy it. It, it was fun <laughs> at times, 
but it, it was just for the sake of being different. <laughs> but I, I think it could be somewhat of a trend. Like, oh, there's no way we can write that this was a fun movie to watch. It's about emojis. So I think people went in with this preconceived notion that it's going to be a dumpster fire. They weren't far off, but I think that really may have decreased their thought of it even more. Going in with such low expectations, thinking this is going to be the worst film ever, especially when they say, go ahead, Gene, slay. Don't have lines like that. That would make it better. I forgot about go ahead, Gene Slay. Oh, my God. I don't even remember that one. I, dancey invents. Hooray. Oh, the emoji pop. Uh, uh, okay. oh, yeah, the emoji uh, pop. You're going to see yeah. it in all of the high school dances this season. Which consists purely of making different faces. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So th- I, I think... What could have made this movie bearable to critics is for it to have had some charm, for it to have not have felt like, you know, I know the director claims, like, I love Toy Story and wanted to make the next Toy Story. Don't try to make the next Toy Story because then you're going to create, you're going to get exploited to make this cash grab of a film that did still make $200 million, which Uh. is not a lot of money, but its budget was $50 million, so it was successful. And I am terrified for the possibility of a sequel. In five weeks on You Did This To Us, the audience gives us pixels. <laughs> uh, Why would you, Brett? Stop it. <laughs> Don't plant ideas in your head. I feel like, I, but here's the thing, though. Bander said that, you know, when you, you go, the idea of having an emoji movie is inherently kind of stupid, which I think yes. um, colors I agree. your opinion going into it, regardless of whether or not it might actually be okay. That's how I felt about Pixels. Like, I haven't seen Pixels yet. I haven't suffered that. Um, I can only imagine those who have, and I sympathize with them and their families. But Pixels threw me immediately because I was like, oh, it's Pac-Man and Adam Sandler. That's not going to be good. And it uh, wasn't I'm- good. But I think, like, there's is there any way to make things like this not kitschy? Like, well, is and, it Wreck-It Ralph? Even that was, did that do any good? Yeah, Rocket Ralph was better um, because I think because there's imagination to. And first of all, uh, within Pixels, let's also not forget that Josh Gad has sex with uh, Qbert. Um, <laughs> movies, so movies Hi. like, yeah, exactly. Movies like Toy Story and Wreck-It Ralph, like there is an imagination there that is inherent in kids of like, what do our toys do when we're not around? You know, kids have that sort of thought and that imagination. There's a purity there. Video games, you know, like what if all the video game characters like got together, it had a support group for villains. That's like a fun idea that like you can have a lot of fun. This, no no one's walking around like, what do my emojis do when I'm not selecting them for text messages? (laughs) That's like, there's not that inherent whimsy that I think gives those other movies a leg up. Does it hurt these movies that... It is about something hyper-specific that already has a cultural presence. So I think of Toy Story, and it's like, it's the it's the, the dinosaur and the cowboy and the astronaut, right? right they're it's the, vague toys. Yeah, right. And like they, they, they are able to come into their own cultural space because of that. But then you see something like Pixels with Pac-Man and Donkey Kong and all that stuff, or you see something like this movie with all the emojis that you see every day on your phone screen. And I think it's much harder to look at it less cynically, right? Like it feels more like a commercialistic, consumeristic cash grab because you see these things every day and you know that they're monetized, whereas the, the cowboy and the astronaut are not. And you're not going to be able to write an original story for any of these emojis because, as you said, they all have a set emotion. They have a set character. You know the mez right. are going to have to be meh. You know, you know what every emoji is going to be. So it's going to be much more difficult to make an interesting, compelling story for any of them. And, and because you can have it, one of them. But they said in the very beginning, it's like, uh, no matter what happens, the crying guy has to be sad. No matter what happens, the laughing guy has to laugh and be happy. So, like you've yeah, you've pigeonholed every other character in the movie immediately, right? Oh, well, and it's causing madness in the, 
in the the mental health of these things. It's like what what is the purpose of that? You see, is it the the laughing one that's being hauled off in an ambulance? In an ambulance? Yeah. Yes, with a broken arm. Yeah. Laughing. I can see the bone. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. yeah. What? That's. No, it's not okay. <laughs> Why not can't they just be disturbing. really good at their their one thing when they're called upon? Like when they get in the cube and the button is pressed. Why do they have to live their society like this? Like, and that, that see that because you have a chance then for more nuanced characters that could have lent to a better written and better made movie. But no, is Smiler a good villain? Because I'll vouch for no. Smiler. I think Smiler's kind of okay. No. No. It's, no. A, it's a waste of Maya Rudolph. I, I think there's something creepy about it, but I think there's cr- something creepy about anybody who's smiling as they order somebody's death. So in that sense, I think, yeah, she's a successful villain. But again, is she written well? Not, not really. But the idea on the surface could be she could be a good villain. They, well, they, they introduced the idea that she's the original original emoji. She's the old one. If, if it had been like she's threatened about being replaced, like if she had some motivation that was beyond like you're different and that's weird. So I'm going to murder you. That, that's probably not a great message to kids. <laughs> You you made a mistake the first time you tried something, so we're going to destroy you. Well, yeah, to be fair, Gene's mistake did almost lead to everybody being murdered, and then and then at the end, when he resolves it, he's just treated as a a hero for resolving if, the issue that he created. No, but here's here's the thing: if 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 so, if they had been like, "Hey, you made a mistake," let's you know, instead of murdering you, we're going to work on a way f- to fix it. Because then, if if that had happened, then he wouldn't have gone to the phone, which started causing all sorts of problems, which then the kid was like, I need to take my phone to the Genius Bar to get it wiped out. (laughs) Right. If they had been like, we're going to work with you because we're, we give a crap or whatever, then like, I mean, there's no plot of the movie, but then this movie's over in 15 minutes and I'm done. So... (laughs) Yeah, I feel like David is looking at any potential script changes here as self-preservation of watching less of this movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I think I'm being too kind to it. I think you guys are... I was trying. I was trying, guys. I was trying to find redeeming stuff in this movie, and it's hard. You it don't have hard. to. No one's... Unless Sony's paying you. <laughs> uh, no. Brought to you by Audible. No. Um, Audible's not Sony, though. That's Amazon. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. And and lastly, we, we've talked about how much talent was wasted in this movie. Is it is it grating to listen to T.J. Miller's voice for 90 minutes? T.J. Miller, the person aside? Yes. When the um, when the opening came on, he was in the opening narration. I immediately <laughs> got so angry. <laughs> His voice is not pleasant to listen to at all. Oh, I, mean, I, I don't mind his voice. No. Wasn't that one of the mm-hmm. biggest complaints about Cloverfield when it first came out? It was like, whoever this guy is holding the camera is super annoying. I forget, I keep forgetting he's in that movie. Him and Lizzie <laughs> Kaplan are in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, his his voice, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's cut out for animation. I, I feel like no. Patrick Stewart's it, it is in the right character, not in your plucky hero. Right. Right. I, I feel like Patrick Stewart's like aristocratic, like bourgeoisie poop emoji is like the most perfectly cast of the bunch. Like it, it's perfect. I'm okay. I'm sad he's there. Right. Like we can all be sad about this career misstep together, but I'm I'm glad he's there for the moment that he does provide. So it's not a good movie, guys. I tried. No. I tried. No. And I think. Well, we're, Here's 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 a role that I think that T.J. Miller is in animation suited for. Let's not forget he was the voice of uh, Mr. Mucus in the Mucinex Super Bowl commercial, and you know <laughs> what? He was fine there. 
Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, Bandra, you had something. Yeah. I, I just really don't mind TJ Miller's voice. I think it's unique. And I think that's something that is, well, unique. It, it's nice to find that in a, an actor to have such a distinct voice where when they speak, you're like, Hey, that's TJ Miller. Because not everybody has to be Daniel Day-Lewis, where you can be a vocal chameleon as you just change roles. It's <laughs> nice to be able to just go to that one voice. Like uh, James Earl Jones, he just does one voice, and it's wonderful. Yeah. Now, I'm not, not conflating <laughs> T.J. Okay. Miller. I was going to say. I hope not. not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm, but- I'm saying there is a good quality in having a unique voice such yeah. as T.J. Miller does. Yes, there is, but I think when you have a unique voice, that kind of it relegates you to, to to specific roles, not to like. Well, T.J. Miller can't play the everyman with that voice. Uh, it's you know Jeff Ross couldn't play the the main here. Nick Kroll could never play. It'd like, be the main. way better to see Jeff Ross in the title character of Gene, right? Like this would be a imagine their 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 positions in this movie switched, and we have to listen to Jeff Ross the entire time it's much preferred but i'm saying like if when you have a distinct voice like you know you're gonna you're gonna play certain you can't play every type of character vocal chameleons you know your frank welkers out there uh people like that they're gonna be able to play anyone under the sun and but there's some people it's like hey i'm gonna recognize that voice instantly it's really weird that they're playing you know i can't think of a good example right now it's I had to watch this movie, guys. It's kind of killed whatever was inside <laughs> of me that carried hope. So, yeah. C- plus, can I ask you? Sorry, go ahead. No, oh, I was just gonna add. You know, plus I I can't put the you know personal life thing aside. So I found it both extremely grating and upsetting to have to listen to him for an hour and a half. Right. <laughs> so. Anyway, yeah, Bandra, go ahead. So let me ask you this. Did you think that Seth Rogen playing Paul was unfit? Because that's somebody else who has such a distinct voice. And there was a lot of criticism thrown at the directors of that or the casting directors of that for putting Seth Rogen in that role. Yeah. Um, I didn't see Paul. Paul was the little alien yeah. guy, right? Okay. Nor did yeah. I. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we're able to speak to that because I don't think anybody on this panel has seen the movie. You know, okay. I haven't seen it, but considering it's a Simon Pegg and Nick Frost movie, I know I'm going to be okay with it. Like, <laughs> it, it's a fun watch, but it's sad that Edgar Wright wasn't involved. Yeah, yeah I remember like, I got excited when I first saw them, like in the preview. I was like, ah, this is the the new movie with them, and I realized it wasn't one of the Edgar Wright films. And Though apparently, uh, one of our previous future classic picks, Skyfall, um, might soon be followed up. I guess there is a movie after Skyfall. The movie after Skyfall after Skyfall is going to follow up potentially with an Edgar Wright movie. Um, he is the currently the top pick for the next Bond director. Now, now that Danny Boyle is backed off. Now that he dropped out, yeah. yeah. Which would be very interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, T.J. Miller... I did recently learn um, a couple minutes ago that he got replaced as Mr. Mucus. Uh, they replaced him with, with the one crazy dude from the league. So, um, Mr. Jason Mantazukas. Oh, oh, Mantazukas. Yeah. That's a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this movie was a dumpster fire. Is there a dumpster fire emoji? I'm going to look that up. Well, I, I, I'm going to look that up while we go around the table. Would I, Bandrew, would you, rec- would you recommend this movie? Why or why not? You know, I'm just going to say yes, just because it is an hour and a half where you don't have to think at all. If you've had a stressful day at work and you don't care about anything, maybe you've lost faith in humanity, this will maybe push you over the edge. It's perfect. Highly recommend it. Is it really a good like which direction though? (laughs) I was about to say, (laughs) is it really a good recommendation if you just say this movie's going to push you over the edge? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Jesus. (laughs) Um Yeah, take very careful note of whatever mental mindset you're in if you're gonna be pushed over the edge by this movie. Make sure it's in the right direction. Um David, it sounds like you were pushed over the edge, perhaps in the in a very wrong direction. Yeah, I just, you know, I'm trying to think of any situation 
Look, if you have a friend who, you know, like they are, they are off the charts, way too confident as a human being, <laughs> like they, you know, like unduly confident and they need to be brought down a peg, make them watch this movie. That's David wishes this movie better. upon his enemies. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I, you know, I, I have started seeing this girl, and we've been having a lot of fun. And I was like, "Do you want to watch this movie with me?" And she was like, "Never, <laughs> not in a million years." <laughs> Would I watch this movie? That's a yeah. good call. Yeah, I watched this movie specifically without my girlfriend to spare her from it because she more or less had the same reaction when this got voted on. So. <laughs> maybe not the best date night movie uh nicole it doesn't sound like you'd recommend it either yeah i got this thing about movies that not only you know are ones where you don't have to think but you're actually required not to in order to enjoy them to any degree whatsoever um you know i i tried to be good to myself watching this movie i didn't make anybody else watch it with me i came home i sauteed some nice zucchini and olive oil and i made myself a steak and i poured myself a big glass of red wine and then i put on the emoji movie and it almost balanced it out but not quite um you know is it, is it better just, or worse than paul bart mall because that's another one that we got we had done to us let's grade it by that standard uh, i would say worse there were moments that i laughed at paul blart mall cop (laughs) and there was like some earnestness to that that for me does not carry over into this movie uh yeah i'm yeah to me it comes down to like how many charming characters that i actually liked were in each and there was only like one in each movie um yeah i don't know i i actually kind of found as bad as this movie was i found it less aggressively insulting to my sensibilities than paul bart mall cop <laughs> uh <laughs> you gotta love the way we talk about movies on this podcast <laughs> uh for i'm me, trying not to be super elitist but sometimes it's hard <laughs> You know, for me, I'm going to I'm going to has very, very hesitantly recommend this. If you are going in for the ride, understanding it's going to be a dumpster fire. If you know it's going to be a dumpster fire and you want to watch 80 minutes of mind numbing emojis, then I do align with Andrew on that, though. I think that there are other mind numbing things you could do. I will. I will add on dry. There are other there are other available activities that I do think are of equal uh, or even greater value. Um, do you need to distract a four year old while you run to the bathroom for a couple of go. minutes? I, and I will I will add on that. Uh, look, that's fine if you're like, hey, you know, I do want to watch this movie, but make sure you're not driving because the amount of alcohol you'll have to consume <laughs> to get through it. So I do very quickly want to mention, I was looking for a dumpster fire emoji. I cannot find one, but I can find multiple change.org position, uh, change.org petitions, which first of all, this is not how change.org is supposed to work. Nope. I digress. Um, Four people requesting the dumpster fire emoji from Apple uh, following the year 2016. (laughs) So just as a whole for the year, they were like, this feels like an emoji we should have right now. Um, And while... Apple did not respond to this change.org petition because that's not who that's supposed to go to. Um, People started drafting templates of what they thought it could look like, including this guy who put it on a t-shirt. I'll put this in our show notes for the listeners and I just put it in our um, chat for the show. This is how I feel about this movie. I think having going back on it, it's a dumpster fire, but I'm okay. I was there for it. Like it was an entertaining dumpster fire for me. So that that's That's not bad. That's not bad. I, I would love that. I would use that a ton if that was on my phone. It looks kind of almost like a malfunctioning grill, though. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> well, let's go around the table and see where we can find everybody online. David, Nicole, we hear from you guys every week. We'll still hear from you this week and we'll hear from me, too. But let's hear from our guest, Bandrew. Where can people find you online? What are you up to? 
the easiest thing would just be go to bandrewscott.com. There's links to everything I do there. One-stop shopping. Very cool. Right on. Don't you have um, merch now, I believe? Yeah, I, I don't really push it or market it. it. I just made shirts that I wanted. I'm wearing a <laughs> hoodie right now. It says, words are hard today, social club. And it's got an SM7B in it because every single time I podcast, I end up stumbling over my words and screaming words are hard today. There you so. go. Uh, the SM7B is a purdy microphone. I still haven't unpacked. Like, I still haven't unpacked. It's been since April, guys. But there's a box somewhere still with my other microphones in it, which is why I'm using this. But, uh, David, where can people find you online? Uh, just find me on the socials, Davluz, D-A-V-L-U-Z, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. You can find me there. It'll point you in the direction of all the other stuff I'm doing. And, of course, on t- Topanga the Untamable, if you'd like to follow uh, Yes, to- wonderful Topanga dog. the Untamable is my dog's Instagram. She's yes. there. <laughs> Excellent. And Nicole Davis, where can people find you? You can find me on Letterboxd, Nicole underscore Davis. You can find me on Twitter, your word whiz, Y-O-U-R-W-O-R-D-W-H-I-Z. And you can find me in charge of our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Podcast. Please, you can contact us there. We would be happy to interact with you. Absolutely. And if you'd like to rate the show, you can do that on iTunes and Stitcher. You can also email the show, uh, moviegoround at tiltingwindmillstudios.com. And you can find me, Brett Stewart, on Twitter at RiversRuben. That'll do it for myself, David, Nicole, and Bandrew. We will be back next week with a new to two where I am going to be introducing these two uh, to I'm Not There, the 2007 movie loosely based on Bob Dylan's life. We'll see you then. <laughs> <laughs>